Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. And hey now to you all. Oh, hello. How you feeling here? How you doing? Oh, do you have a condom on your mic? I should put one on mine. I have a condom on mine. I always stay safe. Safety first, then fun, my friend. Right, right, right. Uh, We put these on in case we... Or whatever. I, I don't think it makes much of a difference, but the engineers insist it does. Eh, sometimes, sometimes it does. We uh, we live in a country just run by a bunch of miscommunicating idiots. Cat. The, the what what happened yesterday nationwide was just a gong show. For anybody who did not pay attention, Justin Trudeau, speaking from the caucus retreat in New Brunswick, came out and announced what I think. This is just my opinion. I think was the right decision. In honor of the Queen and her 70-plus years of service to Canada, we're going to declare Monday a national day of mourning, and it will be a holiday, a federal holiday. And then the Prime Minister said he will work with the provinces to, to get all the details ironed out. Well, I don't know if he did that intentionally just to grab some, some headlines and then clear up the, the mud later on, or if he truly did misspeak. Or maybe someone in the prime minister's office realized after he said it, oh, shit, some people are angry about that. So then the federal civil service was told, you're going to get a holiday, but anybody who's federally regulated, you don't get a holiday. That's up to the business. And nearest I can tell, almost all of those businesses have said, no, it's going to be a regular workday, including our own. We're in a federally regulated industry being in broadcast. So that was the first bout of confusion. Then it came down to the provinces. Is Monday going to be a holiday or not? Well, in comes Doug Ford. (laughs) God damn it, Doug. (laughs) Fuck you, Doug. (laughs) What the fuck? You had the perfect cover. Justin did it. Justin was the one who made it a holiday. You could have made it a holiday yourself, and and it would have been fine because Justin went first, and the people who are angry, you blame Justin. The people who are happy, you take the praise. This was a win-win-win-win-win. But the Canadian Federation of Independent Business had already come out and said, we don't want a holiday and businesses can't afford it and yada, yada, yada. And while I don't disagree with Dan Kelly, he's the head of the CFIB, I do generally like him and agree with him, although not on every point, including this one. I I feel like Doug could have ignored the CFIB in this case and just hid behind the prime minister. But no, he said, yeah, we're not going to make it a holiday. And I I think there's some confusion here. People seem to think that because Monday is the federal holiday for the Queen, that it'll be every September the 18th or whatever the date is on Monday, the 19th. No, it would be this one year only. She only dies once. So this coming Monday would have been a holiday, and it is a holiday in parts of Canada, but it's not in Ontario or in Quebec. And Doug said, 
This is another place where he just totally lost the script here. Holy Christ. I just swallowed a bee. He said, we're not going to make it a holiday, a stat. It'll be a provincial day of mourning. Okay. The fuck is that? And we could spend any day being a day of mourning yeah. for any number of reasons. We live in Ontario. We mourn, we mourn a lot. <laughs> we mourn a lot of things here. You know? <laughs> Holy Christ. And he said, uh, you'll have the, you'll be able to observe a moment of silence at 1 p.m. Doug, we can observe a moment of silence anytime yeah. we want. Yeah. Fuck you, Doug! He just tried to stick handle this thing again right down the middle, and it's just frustrating way too many people now. So, Doug here has said it's going to be a provincial day of mourning with a moment of silence at 1 p.m. Uh, that's just, it, it's nothing. It's platitudes. It doesn't really mean anything. But this is uh, the place where he actually really disappointed me. The reason he's doing this is for business. And yeah, probably the CFIB is right. Businesses probably can't afford to either close their doors no. for the day and lose a day of sales or open for the day, but pay the employees who work time and a half because it's a stat. Yeah. So from that sense, in a practicality, it probably does make sense to not make it a holiday. However, we are a member of the Commonwealth. It's been declared a federal holiday. For Ontario to not observe that, I think, in my opinion, is very disrespectful. However, that's fine. Doug has the right to not. But he didn't even come clean on that. He said, we're not going to close the schools by making it a stat holiday. Instead, we'll, give, we'll have kids in class reflecting on the Queen's remarkable life and allowing students to learn about her contributions. Mm -hmm. Has anybody shipped to the teachers any curriculum for that day? Yes. Yeah, Is there any <laughs> guidance or guidelines on what teachers are supposed to be talking to their no. kids about? No, so it's going to come down to a matter of probably opinion based on a teacher, which probably you you never really strive for. There's uh, some teachers that, like anybody else, might be like, I, I'm, I dislike the monarchy. So w what are they supposed to teach if they're not given the proper materials to do so? How do you um, re reflect on, you know, a, especially in the lower grades, like... I don't think it's necessary, but I understand where they're coming from. Use it as a day, as an example. Yeah, um, I, they don't wheel in TVs anymore, but sure, stream the some of the funeral if it's happening during a class. Maybe the kids will learn something and take something from it. Maybe they won't, uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, especially it's pretty last minute for teachers to have to put this on their own laps. Like, I don't understand why that would be a thing. And for school boards in general to be like, okay, guys, here's a quick, you know, curriculum. Talk about this for an hour with your classes. I don't think there's anything that's going to be set in stone for it. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you work for a school board when you've already had this conversation, but I just don't see that happening. And again, it might come down to a matter of opinion and we never really want people's opinions to, to come into play on politics. So why would we want that here? Yeah, right? it's just... Either make it a holiday or don't. And if he would have just come clean and said, yeah, listen, it's a bad time. We just had Labor Day. Coming up on the 30th is Truth and Reconciliation Day, which is a holiday, again, for some, but not for all. Now uh, we're throwing in another day for the Queen. It's just, it's not good. It's not a great time. The economy is in yeah. the shitter. And we just came out of a bad pandemic. So it's not a good time. Totally respect the, the monarchy, yada, 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 but we're not going to do it. If he'd said that, fine. But instead, he tries to nuance the shit out of it again and ends up pissing everybody off. So, Doug, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but this was not handled properly. And let's be clear, though, it started at the top. 
do these people not talk? Is there not like no. a group chat or something between the premiers and the prime minister yeah. where Justin can say, hey, guys, thinking about making Monday a national holiday in observance of the, the Queen's service to Canada and out of respect for her and her legacy with the Canadian people. So we're going to make it a holiday. Are you guys in? Yes or no? Let's just take a quick vote here. And if majority of you are not in, then we're not doing it. If majority of you are in, we're mm-hmm. all doing it. So now we end up in a situation where federally regulated employees, regular workday, however, and that's private sector, and then we have federal employees, it is a paid holiday. Like a Service Canada, for example. Service One example Canada, of many. The passport I know there's many. Office, sure. of Environment Canada, right. all the government bureaucracy, they all get another paid holiday when people in the private sector do not. Provincially, uh, if there's a federal equivalent that is off, they're obligated due to their last round of collective bargaining to get the day off themselves, but not all. So figure this, we're going to be in a situation on Monday where you can't get a passport, but you can renew your driver's license and stupid shit like that. Schools will be in, Mm -hmm. but if their parents happen to work for the federal civil service, they're off. (laughs) They're not going to mind that. No, they won't mind that at all. And you know, truth be told, I wouldn't either. Well, it's kind of better than the other way around. Like if schools are schools are closed and then we had federally regulated off. What about the rest of the parents who are trying to make things work? So I'm glad it didn't work out that way. Yeah. And I don't think they would have allowed that to happen. But now we've got. Let's see here. Uh, it will be observed as a provincial stat holiday in British Columbia, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Ontario and Quebec? No. I don't know what Alberta's doing, and Saskatchewan's not going to make it a stat, but they're going to encourage reflection and businesses to make their own decisions, and we all know how that works out. If you give businesses the option, they're going to take the option to stay open or not yeah. pay a time and a half. Uh, that's a no-brainer. But why did this get so fucked up? It's because they don't talk to each other. And I don't understand why. Doug and Justin are buddies. They're boys. And I don't know how this went from the prime minister saying federal holiday to then his staff having to clarify optional for federally regulated industries. And then the province comes out and says day of mourning, not stat holiday. But other provinces are saying, no, we're going to celebrate and honor the queen. So it is a stat holiday. We, it's never, a mess. You know, it's funny. And this morning, and it's so true. Somebody messaged when we were talking about this to our FM uh, morning show out of uh, Kitchener, 91.5 The Beat, and says, you know, I feel like we've never been more divided as a country in terms of our provinces having such different takes on things and our leader of the country Allowing that to be the case, yes. you know, allowing it to be so divided because Justin knows if he puts out and this happened during the pandemic as well. We all know if he puts out a general, hey, each province can figure it out for themselves. You're deferring, deferring, deferring. And you're making, you know, Doug in this case look bad. And maybe you blame Doug. Maybe you blame Justin. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you think it's the right decision. But either way. We're not at unison. We're not in unison. No, we're not. We're so divided. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned the pandemic because this irony struck me here. Yesterday, Justin said federal holiday across the board. If we are your boss or if you fall under our jurisdiction, federal jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. it's a holiday. Then his staff came out and said, no, shit, no, we screwed up. Federal employees, it is a holiday. Federally (laughs) regulated, it's optional. Our bad. That wasn't the case during the pandemic. Yeah. 
You know, when they put in those vax mandates and all that sort of shit, that was across the board. That was a federal policy. And it was once the man, it's once that got uh, into wave, maybe it was like three or four. And then the masking was a question mark. That's when it was deferred, deferred, deferred. Yeah. Like, uh, each province will figure shit out for themselves. It's so frustrating. And school, that, same thing, right? Yeah. I, I don't know why we're not on the same page. I mean, it's all one fucking country. And, and we've got this gong show, this motley crew of leaders across the country that are contradicting each other. And I mean, frankly, I don't know what the difference between uh, 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 a PEI Canadian and an Ontario Canadian is. I thought we were all Canadian. Yeah. I, I know that we all yeah. did have the queen on our money. I, I don't know where this went so far sideways, but it requires leadership. It requires some intelligence and it requires communication. And it seems like none of that is applying in this case. It's, it's so stupid. But anyway, oh, and then to boot, it's another example of the federal, or sorry, of any civil servant getting something that the private sector doesn't get. And that further fuels the divide. And you know, when contract negotiations come up again next time, this is going to be a thing. People in the private sector are instantly going to take that heels dug in, opposed to it stance, and they'll say things like, well, you guys get holidays when the fucking queen dies, and you guys get this and that and blah, blah, blah. You've already got a great gig. You don't need more Mm -hmm. money. And that's how this shit starts. They got to stop doing it. It's so frustrating. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk about the Michelin rankings that came out yesterday, or the Michelin stars that were awarded, because it was nothing like I expected. It was very, very strange the way they did it. And we're not going to agree because sushi is not cooking. Ah, but <laughs> they do cook. We're, we'll get to that coming up, I promise you. First off, in, in this bizarre world that we live in, and, and a lot of the issues that we have here, they're dealing with in America as well. We've got a Democrat president in Joe Biden. We've got a liberal prime minister in Justin Trudeau, and they're on the same page in a lot of ways because they share the same ideology. Well, in the states that are all run by different governors, they have the right, just like our provinces do, to create different laws for the people. In the states, they can do that as well. And one of the states that's particularly gone off the rails is Illinois. Illinois has a new policy, and I'm not even going to tell you what the policy is. What I want to do is bring in a mayor from Illinois who went absolutely off on the governor and this new law. He's explaining the law because he feels like the public doesn't really know what their legislature has passed. And he's right. I don't think the public understands it either because if they did, I don't think this would be happening. But you see, in Illinois, they're trying to dismantle the long history of systemic racism in the justice system. They say it's not fair to require people to pay bail. That's not fair because some people can't afford bail. (laughs) Even though they have bail bondsmen and there's all kinds of different ways that you can get the money for bail or you just stay in jail. And you'll stay in jail if you're guilty. If you're innocent, you'll be released. Don't That's do, just the way it don't is. Don't do shit to get in bail to get that into that scenario in the first place. But okay, yep. Let's hear from Mayor Keith Pikau pulling zero punches on this new policy in Illinois. As of January first, twenty twenty-three, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes but isn't limited to kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. 
Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. When They're I, creating the purge. That's crazy. This is the purge. When I think of Illinois, I automatically think of Chicago, sure. right? I mean, yep. Chicago's a go-to. Sure, fine. Isn't crime there pretty fucking bad? Really bad. Like, this is a this is a big deal. I agree with this mayor. And sorry, who is the, the mayor of? Did you mention? Uh, I think he's the mayor of Cook County. What the heck is going on here? I don't blame him for going off. This seems really ridiculous and very backwards. And like you said, very purgy. Yeah. Doesn't this, though, seem like something that's not that far-fetched? I could absolutely see us doing that in Canada. We have the right circumstances with the right people in charge right now that I could absolutely see them doing something like this. They say this is how they combat systemic racism. Uh, There's other pieces to this, too. For example, you'll be allowed, uh, criminals are now allowed three phone calls with zero restrictions. So let's say hypothetically, you're busted for uh, uh, being the getaway driver uh, on a bank robbery. There's restrictions typically when you get arrested in Mm -hmm. that you're not allowed to communicate with your co-accused. That restriction is gone. You could phone the people who actually robbed the bank and say, hey, shit, don't rat me out, that sort of thing. And there's nothing they can do about it. It seems odd. Why would they do this? Because they've got to dismantle the systemic racism in the justice yeah, system. And this apparently was the only way to do it. I feel like there's more. I feel like there's more to it. Because I don't care what where what your background is. You know what I mean? Uh, and and that ju- the justice system shouldn't, that shouldn't matter to them either. If you did something bad to deserve a, uh, to, to be arrested, then you have to, I don't know, paying bail is one of the ways. Is there no other way we can look at it? If people don't like the paying bail, this is the only other option that they came up with? There's no other option? Think about that for a second. The electronic monitoring that he mentioned. So if you are supposed to be under supervision, like house arrest or something, they'll put one of those electronic ankle bracelets on it or on your on you so they can track you and make sure you don't leave your residence. Now, they won't be able to start looking for you for 48 hours, you have to have been off the grid, not where you were nice supposed to be start. for 48 hours before they can even look for you. They're 100% co- going to be in Canada by then. They'll be in Canada. They They're all coming to Canada. Canada, they could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. It's I, messed up. I don't get it. I, I just, I don't understand this. And I mean, we, we see it here in Canada, particularly with... Uh, getting rid of mandatory minimum sentences and things like that with the fact that just about anybody, no matter what you do, can get bail. Now, we at least charge bail. It's an Mm -hmm. assurity. It's to make sure that you don't run. The theory is, is that if you've paid bail, if you've got 10, 20, 30 grand on the line that says you're not going to run, you're probably not going to run and cost yourself that 10, 20 or 30 grand. That's the point of bail. No more, though. No, we're just going to, it's the honor system, really. And this applies to, what did he say? Second degree murder. Kidnapping. Kidnapping. Yeah. Threatening uh, public officials. There's all kinds of different crimes that this could apply to. I can't imagine this is the only leader in, in Illinois speaking up about this. I can't imagine he's the only one. 
Uh, he is the mayor of Orland Park, by the way, and he's currently running for the U.S. House of Representatives in the upcoming okay. midterm elections. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, He's been on Fox News a couple of times, and, and they're all over this, too. But you wouldn't know that if you watch CNN, right? Because they, they don't cover sure. that sort of stuff yeah, anymore. Not fair. It's a bizarre set of circumstances. Uh, let's talk about the Michelin rankings that came down yesterday. I don't know why I keep calling them rankings. There's three stars that you can possibly get from Michelin. It can be a one-star, two-star, or three-star restaurant. Yesterday, none of the Toronto restaurants were given three stars. Zero. However, one of them got two stars. Mm -hmm. That is Japanese restaurant Sushi Masaki Saito. Awarded two. Twelve other restaurants got one. And there's a couple of great restaurants on there. It's a real nice mix of uh, there's steakhouses, there is Italian cuisine, there is French cuisine, a Mexican restaurant made the list, that sort of thing, and a number of sushi restaurants. Michelin seems to like awarding stars to sushi restaurants. And I want to be really clear about this. What sushi chefs do is so neat it's precise it's neat it's it's artistic it's artistic it's cool but i don't know that you should get a michelin star for that when i think about the difference between uh plating uh i don't know plating a a real nice branzino properly or i think about cooking a lamb wellington to a perfect 281 degrees fahrenheit medium rare I think it requires a little more culinary skill to nail one over the other. And again, the sushi thing is neat. I just don't think it's on the same level as the restaurants that are making homemade pasta, making homemade sauce from scratch, and blending together those beautiful flavors with cheese that they hand-selected from monks in fucking France. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, complete, I completely disagree. Then there is a lot of uh, food that's cooked, so you can't use the uncooked. Yes, of course, there is uncooked um, items uh, for sushi. That's the sashimi part of going for sushi. But there's also... Cooked items. In fact, on this particular menu of the one that got two stars, that sushi restaurant you speak of, they do have items that are cooked on their menu that do require that, not just being cooked to perfection, like you said. It's also tastes that go along with it. They do create their own sauces and they have their own interpretations of different dishes. I think all of that is skill, no matter if you're a sushi joint or an Italian joint or a, uh, anything in between. Um, what I find the most fascinating with this, uh, Michelin guide, and I didn't know this. Did you know it's actually put into different categories? The Michelin guide falls into several categories. Okay. So it's not just stars. Okay. So there's Michelin stars, which were awarded yesterday. That's what the big ceremony was about. Of course, that's top tier. That's what Matt, that's what people usually look at. But when you have this guide, you actually have several other options. There's the Bib Gourmand, which are establishments that serve exceptionally good food at moderate prices. And that was awarded in Toronto as well. Yep, yeah, Many. a couple of them got those. There's recommended, which are just restaurants that are Michelin recommended uh, that inspectors chose to include in the selection without a specific designation, like a star or a bib gourmand. And there's Green Star. And those are restaurants at the forefront of sustainable practices, like reducing food waste and sourcing ingredients locally and all that. So there's several different guides. I got a note this morning from our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash has teamed up with the Michelin Guide. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. You don't get Michelin star food delivered by fucking DoorDash? <laughs> What's going so on, on here? 
So they say uh, DoorDash is now the exclusive on-demand delivery platform partner in Canada with local favorites like Amal, Fat Pasha, Favorites, Porto Bravo, all from the Michelin Guide Toronto. So as mentioned, there's different. there are different tiers. None of the Michelin star restaurants are on this DoorDash option. But, as they shouldn't be. But Bib Gourmand, which like I said, is up there. That's right up. That's like you, you, you could get a Michelin star. We're going to give you an accolade. We're going to give you a mention, right? Sure. But it's not a star. There are those. There are just Michelin recommended. Um, and they're all available. 11 options available now via DoorDash. So I'm looking at some of them. You know what? I'll mention them. Sure. Maybe you want to try. Mother's Dumplings. Porto Bravo, as mentioned. Shook is another restaurant. Fat Pasha is one to check out. Chica's Chicken. A mall. Anch, I believe this one is called. Just several, several options that are available via DoorDash. And I'm taking a look at the delivery fees, though. I mean, it's not cheap. But it just makes me wonder, because I'm looking at the menu of some of these places, and they look fantastic. Like, this is a pla- This is one of those places here I'm looking at. If you were like, oh, we're going here, I know it's going to be a good dining experience. But is it one that you want to DoorDash to your house? No, this is stupid. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say it's stupid. No, it's stupid. Listen, if you want great food, which presumably all of these restaurants have, their food has got to be great. They have to be to get mentioned by Michelin. Go to the damn restaurant. That's part of the experience. You know, it's kind of like when you go out for a a beautiful Italian dinner at a five-star restaurant and... Don't order a glass of wine, mm-hmm. you know? Certain things just pair nicely. Well, I happen to believe that atmosphere is very much a part of the dining experience. There's a difference between eating and dining. And frankly, when DoorDash delivers it, and we all know how DoorDash works, right? We all understand this. After they cook it, they're going to call for a courier. And wherever that courier is, they'll make their way to the restaurant. They'll wait for however long they have to wait for the order to be ready for them to go. Then they're going to deliver it to your house. I, I think of places like the keg. I don't know who in their right yeah. mind would order the keg on DoorDash. Because by the time it gets there, it has sat for way too long. I want my food to, if it needs to rest, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Rest it in the kitchen, then bring it right to my table and I'm going to start eating it. I don't need that 20, 25, 30 minute delivery delay where it's just sitting there getting warm or cold. Yeah. I want it at the temperature it's supposed to be cooked at. <laughs> I get it. And and a lot of these restaurants, albeit their price points are much better than the Michelin star ones. I mean, they're more realistic in the 15 to $25 range. Some of these, uh, some of them are like 45. They're pretty much on par with, as you mentioned, uh, like a keg meal. So price wise, you're going to, you're going to pay the same amount as you would for that. But it's true. I mean, if these are Michelin recommended restaurants, you want to have it at its peak time, A, and B, obviously something about the interior of the place has to matter, right? That's part of the process too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is yep. the ambiance and it's the atmosphere, it's the, atmosphere. The, the service, the service, the whole thing, right? Yep. I'm sure your drink menu takes effect. And maybe when you're, when you're ordering DoorDash, like you sure you can order a bottle of wine with it, but it's not the same as when a server comes, a sommelier is there, all of those things that make that experience 
a Michelin recommended experience. That said, though, I mean, this is between Michelin and DoorDash Canada. This is an official partnership between the two. They did offer uh, to have the president of DoorDash on the podcast. So I, I don't know if we. Well, I don't I'd know like to we'll offer go- him the opportunity to buy some advertising. I the, <laughs> I don't think that we're going to we're in that much uh, in depth uh, about it. Uh, but hey, um, it's an option. And if you are in, you know, the GTA and that is something that you're interested in, they will be marked as part of the Michelin as the Michelin guide. So there you have it. Uh, a couple of non-surprises. Don Alfonso, Harbor Square, did get a Michelin star yesterday. Alo on Spadina. I've never been there, but I've heard great things about it. It got one. Alabar in Yorkville made the list. Enigma in Yorkville made the list. Uh, Adulis, Niagara Street. I've never been there. I'm not even sure what that is. No, nope, never been. Uh, let's never been see to any here. of these. Julia <laughs> uh, on Avenue Road made it. Got a star. Good Italian food. Shu Shin on Young Street. Yukashi. Yukashi. It's on Mount Pleasant. They made the list as well. It's another sushi restaurant. There's several on there. Uh, Aburi Hannah made the list. That's Yorkville. It's uh, it's good. Hey, congratulations to all the restaurants that got one. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that uh, certain restaurants didn't get one that have got a lot of hype but not a lot of great food to back it up. Yeah, so good. Very that's, good. That's exactly it, right? And sometimes celebrity power comes into play. You know the ones I'm talking about where just because they're endorsing it, if you will, you would think, oh, they're, they're probably going to get a Michelin star. No, and I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad that we didn't have some of those restaurants that just because they're a fad or a trend thanks to a celebrity that comes by or thanks to celebrities who've been there. Yeah, it should be based on all of the criteria. I do want to check out the sushi place. I will have it on my list of things to potentially do. I'm trying to get onto their website, and as you can imagine, it crashed. So they're probably going to get a stronger uh, stronger service going for their website, and I'll be able to check it out, but it's obviously not going to be cheap. Maybe they invest in a new server. I mean, they're charging they're $600 doing. for a sampler. I guarantee you that's exactly what they're going to do because so many people are going to the website. That's the reason why it crashed today. Like, I can't even get on it to check out the menu items. However, Google does have some great reviews, which do include prices. So if you're curious to check it out, I would love to go to the sushi restaurant. I would consider it. I went for uh, an osteopath appointment yesterday for the very first time. How'd that go? Um, hmm. I'm not really sure how to describe it to you because you've never seen an osteopath, right? No, I wasn't. To be honest with you, I wasn't even sure what an osteopath did. Right. Okay. So the, the what was it I had the other day? Acupuncture. Yeah. That worked amazing. I was so impressed. I've got another appointment on Friday. Good stuff. Great. Osteopath was different and I didn't know what to expect. And when I went in there, he's like, okay, so uh, have a seat. You've never been here before, never had an osteopath treatment. Okay, so here's what we do. I'm going to touch you in some places. And I'm like, all right, oh, let's see where this yeah, let's goes. Let's get this straight to it then. Yeah. All right. No. He, uh, he, he sat me up and he looked me over and you know he poked around at different things, like different places on my back he touched, a couple places on my feet he touched. He touched like the, the bottom of my head or the top of my neck for quite a while. And he just sort of formed this weird assessment in his head of how things were going in my body. And he said, well, what we're going to do here today is uh, we're going to try and loosen you up. We're going to try and get your body back to a more of a normal state. You may feel it. Uh, Your shoulders are naturally forward. 
You know, gravity does that. And mm-hmm. I was fat for a lot of years. And, and that probably didn't help either. I didn't have the best posture. So he's like, we're going to give you a little reset and just sort of stretch things out a little bit so that your body can have uh, better nerve contact and the blood can flow f- freely. And he explained that your body's an incredible machine that's capable of healing in a lot of different ways. You just got to give it the optimum conditions to do that. You've seen like wrestling in high school, right? Like not WWE, like actual uh, yeah, wrestling. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like that, but I didn't fight back. Like this guy at one point had my leg tied up between his legs and he was holding my left arm with his left arm <laughs> and he was stretching my shoulder with his right arm. And I thought, I've seen this. Yeah. This was like Owen Hart's finishing move. It was like the chicken wing. It was <laughs> strange. That's it's a strange thing. Okay. It was strange and and you know, I mean, it's weird because he'll say things like, okay, just go completely limp. I don't want you to move. Let me move you. And that's a weird thing to to just drop everything. It's a lot of different mm-hmm. breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. A lot of that. Mm-hmm. And and he just sort of rotates different parts of your body and he doesn't really bend them too far, but he does bend you in different ways. And it's rem- amazing because he said afterwards, you're probably going to be really tired. And he explained the process that your body mm-hmm. goes through. And sure enough, I was like barely able to keep my eyes open as I was paying the bill. I was just wiped. Exhausted. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I don't want to say for sure that it worked now. He said it's probably going to take like three visits. Like I don't think you're going to need more than three, but about three visits and we should be able to get your back into better alignment. We should be able to fix the problems with your knee and, and you should be just fine. But it's, I'm trying to describe it. I think I loved it. I think I loved it, but I don't actually well, know because I don't feel that different, but I also know that I've got to go two more times where he's going to finish the course of treatment. Okay, so you're going to go back. Yeah. Are you going back Tuesday. to acupuncture too? Because didn't, didn't they say you should come back again? Friday. Going okay. Friday. That was amazing, Cat. Holy yeah. cow. I loved that. I felt great after I had acupuncture. And, and the uh, osteopath, I have a feeling I'm going to really, really like it. It's just I haven't seen the full result yet. Gotcha. Well, and you know what you're in for this time, right? When you go in so blind like that, because that would be me. I have no idea what you're about to do to me. And you tell me to go limp and don't move and all this shit. I'm going to touch you. Yeah. Like, I've used that little, line too. You know what I mean? Go you're limp. Little, don't move. Shut up. You're a little, you're a little uh, filled with anxiety and you're trying not to. So now you kind of know what you're in for. So the next time maybe you'll find it to be more pleasant. Question I, mark. I think I will. And yeah. I didn't find yesterday unpleasant. I just... You're right. I didn't know what to expect. Strange person touching me in in different places and stuff. But it's amazing the different points that he'll know, like, for example, in your feet or in your back where you can feel a sensation when they touch it. And and the fact that he can pull your shoulders back while he's pushing in on your lower back. And then when that's done, oh, wow, I can breathe a little bit better. He Mm -hmm. just opened my chest for me a little bit. Stuff like that. It's amazing. And that's not something I've ever had from my family doctor, who I don't think has ever once actually touched me. Yeah. Other uh-huh. than to take my temperature or or my blood pressure. It's an interesting thing, those occupations. I try to put myself in those shoes of a chiropractor, of a osteopath, of a, I'm sure naturopaths at, at times here and there will do the same thing, acupuncturists. You know, especially the ones that when they twist and bend your body like a chiropractor would. Because mm-hmm. I have done chiropractor before and I have done acupuncture before. But the chiropractors and the osteopaths now, from what you tell me, they're very hands-on. Like I Very feel like hands-on. You have to just be very comfortable with that. I guess, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I guess probably the best way I can say it is an osteopath 
if you want to compare them to a chiropractor, chiropractor is mainly back, right? Uh, osteopath would be like your whole body if that's what you want to do. Well, he yeah. really did fix my alignment. I, I do I do feel a little more centered, balanced. <laughs> my posture is already a little better. My shoulders yeah. are sitting back. Look hmm. at this. My titties are popping. Look at you. I got them out. <laughs> Look at them titties popping. <laughs> <laughs> he popped my titties yesterday. Okay. That's a strange thing. But all right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, keep us updated. 40 things you should do before you turn 40 years old. And I saw this article this morning. It was done by a, uh, let me give you the source here, because you know we like to source these things just so that you can't call bullshit on us. It was a travel company, I believe. No, it was a lottery company. A lottery company. It was a lottery company that, that did this. 40 things you should do before you're 40 years old. It's almost like a bucket list of sorts. And they broke it down into five different categories. Relationships, career, travel, living arrangements, and random life events. Now, you are in an interesting position because if there's things on this list that you want to do mm -hmm. and you do want to do them before you're 40, you have limited time left, Cat. My ship has sailed. Now they would have to come out with the 40 things you should do after 40. <laughs> <laughs> like Go see an osteopath and a... a uh, what's the other thing? I don't know why I can't remember that. Acupuncturist. Acupuncturist. Yeah. I did both in one week. That's great. So Okay, I'm going to take notes here. I'm going to take notes. I didn't bring in a pen. I'm going to take notes on my phone as you go. Okay. Okay, here we go. Under the relationship stuff. Okay. Number one, and it was also number one overall. Before you're 40, you should fall in love at oh, least okay. once. Yeah, all right. Have a one-night stand. Have your heart broken. Get married. Have a kid. Those are the things that you should do before you're 40 years old in the relationship category. I, some of these, it's hard. I'm already, I'm already seeing that some of these are going to be hard to do. Like, I've never actually had my heart broken in a relationship. Never. Okay. But is that something I should strive for? Like, I'm very confused. I don't really want that to happen. I found my person. It, it is a life experience, though. And for those who haven't found their person, I mean, you're good. You've been with your husband since you were in high school, essentially, right? Yeah, basically. I, I think, too, it goes to that that might be uh, good to have that experience so that you can help others. Like, for example, you came to me and you were like, I'm heartbroken. I'd be like, well, I don't really know how to help you from a direct point of view. Go but, see an osteopath. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> they fix anything. Make those titties pop. Uh, but you know what I mean? Whereas you might go to the next person and that person's experienced it. So they have the experience to help you. Maybe there's something to that. But otherwise, I don't think you should strive for some of this stuff. It also helps you, though, know what you don't want. And it helps you identify what you do want, being heartbroken. Sure. Okay. So I think that there's some validity to that. Have a kid. Uh, that's a personal thing. Not everybody does. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to do it, they say this is on the list of things you should do before you're 40. Under the career category. Earn a degree, reach management level, get fired, start a business, land your dream job, volunteer, and start saving for retirement. Okay. This is probably my lowest category here. Really? So I do not have a degree. Nor do I. I have not reached management level in my actual career. I have been fired very publicly, and that was <laughs> that's well documented. Yes, it is. I have started a business. 
I have landed my dream job. I volunteer more than most people do, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I have started saving for retirement. So I'm okay, but yeah, the management thing, nope, don't have a degree either. And and you know what? That's one of the things, too, where some people don't want to be management. Like, I mean, when you say, it depends on what you do for a living, right? For some people, that's it. Like, that's, you need to be, you. that's your goal. It, it depends on what your career is. And like you said, you the two things, the thing that's most important is that you landed your dream job. Yes. So obviously, you don't need to be management if you've already landed your dream job, the way I see it. Twice. This I landed it, got fired from it, and landed it again. See, so I mean, you know, again, to each their own on these lists. I don't think it's like a must. In the travel category, visit other continents. Okay, yep. Go on a cruise. Go whale watching. See a Broadway show. See some of the seven wonders of the world. Mm -hmm. And fly first class at least once. Ah. Okay, let's break it down on this one then. Uh, Visit other continents. Highly recommended. I do too. It is a totally different culture. But it's amazing how many people are confined to this bubble here. They either stay in Canada or they go Canada, USA, or they go Canada, Caribbean, and back. Yeah. And they I, never get to Europe or over to Asia or Australia or the list goes on. And I know that the cost is there, right? I mean, there's going to be people being like, yeah, I wish I had that kind of money. Must be fucking nice. But the thing is, you know what I would do, honestly? It, if, it, if it interests you and you see people talking about life in, in a European country, let's go there. Life in uh, France is so much different or Italy or whatever. Or maybe it's a family background history of yours. It is worth saving up not doing those all-inclusives for a couple of years in order to save up the proper money to do it. Because trust me, the experience sticks with you. I went to France when I was like 18, 19 years old. It still sticks with me. I was in awe of the way that other people live compared to art, mm-hmm. compared to what we, how we live. You know, it, do, it is very eye-opening. So I would strongly encourage if you get the chance to, or even to take a hit on those smaller vacations in order to do that. Go on a cruise. I've never done that. Can I just say I'm not interested? Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. I have like cruise ship loving friends and every stinking year, Scott, I get the invite, even though they know my answer, I'll get the invite. And and since we've all had kids, it's changed. It's like, yeah, well, what a Disney cruise. I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I'm just not interested. You know what it is for me? I've got a fear of the ocean. I really do. Mm-hmm. I love the ocean, ocean life. Great. Fascinated by it. In fact, everything about it fascinates me in documentary form. I don't ever want the potential of me being stuck in the middle of the ocean hmm. or God forbid something happening to the cruise ship and sinking into the middle of the ocean scares the living shit out of me. So no, thanks. I'm not going to put myself in that position any way, shape or form. Interesting. I thought I didn't like cruises until I actually went on a cruise. A good friend of mine is a cruise director for Royal Caribbean. What's up, Mike? How are you? I think he's home right now too. Um, and, and he gave me an opportunity to go on the ship and visit him. And I thought, no, I'm a beach guy. I want to go to the all-inclusive and drink all the beer and lay on the beach. And sure, I'd done that many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. But when I went on a cruise, it was just different. Uh, I got to see so many different islands. And you can get off the boat if you want or don't. Mm -hmm. You don't have to. It stops every day. And one day it's Barbados and the next day St. Lucia and the next day Antigua and the list goes on. All countries that I would not pay the price to go to see. But I'm glad I got to see them via the cruise ship. And then we're talking five-star dining, world-class service. Uh, shows. Broadway shows. Yeah. And, and that's great. If you don't really want to think about the fact that you're floating in the middle of the ocean, you also don't even have to. There's so much stuff to do inside. You could actually convince yourself that you're in 
I don't know. On a resort, in a resort or something. In a resort or in a city of some sort. I mean, you can go along the promenade and and shop and go into different cafes yeah. and restaurants. And the fact that all the food is all you can eat, which is great. Buy yourself the liquor package if you're a bit of a drinker, mm-hmm. and and you're good to go. I do agree with this that everybody should try it once, but not if you're going to be freaked out and constantly thinking about the boat sinking because <laughs> that. that would be- that would be... Where's the iceberg? Cat, <laughs> yeah, there's no icebergs around here. Where is it? Go whale watching is on this. Uh, whale watching is fine if there's actual whales, but you don't always see the whales. Yeah, you know, when I went out east a few years ago, I, I did that. I did the whale watching tour. But the thing with those is you're not guaranteed to actually see any whales. You might see some other creatures, which is lovely. And I say creatures, but I mean like everything from... Uh, birds. I saw a lot of puffins out east. Lots of puffins. And they're adorable. But it but it wasn't really meant to be a, a puffin excursion. You know mm. what I mean? So you can whale watch all you want, but sometimes it really takes you doing it three, four times. I'll give you a warning before you even spot a whale. And even at that, it might be like so quick that you miss it. You miss it entirely. See a Broadway show. Yeah, do or don't. It doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, I've done I don't it. really have a whole lot of time for the theater personally. Yeah, but. I've done it. I'm not a big like musical person, but I did go to see The Lion King and it was absolutely I mean, it was absolutely lovely. I don't think you'll ever regret it. See some of the seven wonders of the world. Okay, sure. That's easy for us around here, sure. Fly first class at least once. I do agree with that. First class is really really cool, but not all first class is equal. No, it's not. You know, just because you took an all-inclusive to Cuba and flew club class on Air Transat, their club class or first class is very different from first class on Emirates or first class oh, on yeah. KLM or oh, something yeah. like that. I was on uh, West, West Jets. It's not even called first class. They, a lot of airlines, like you said, don't even really have that kind of Arab Emirates style of first class. But even on like WestJet, it's it's not called that. It's like the upper, it's not economy. Economy is like regular. It's whatever the heck it is. Uh, extra, some plus. And really, it's only like six seats that are at the front. And then they put, out, they put over this like burlap sack, basically, so that, like to divide you from the rest of the fucking hooligans. <laughs> like I'm in first class WestJet style. It, now, don't get me wrong. It does have its perks. And I'm sure those people would tell you like I was happy to get a, you know, a meal while you sat there and had to order a shitty wrap off of this menu. Yeah. But I, but the price point, Scott, that's what gets it's me. It's much. so expensive to fly as it is. Yeah. If it's a short trip too, I feel like it's not worth the extra $500. Just not. I, uh, I have a friend who fly, or flew first class to New York City. And mm-hmm. I'm like, New York, it's not even an hour flight. What the fuck are you doing? That's the thing. Is it, and if it's cheap, if they're like, hey, guys, there's a first class ticket here. You know what? We'll upgrade you in the moment at the airport. 7500 bucks. Okay, that's worth it, right? But when you're talking like the actual hundreds of dollars that they charge for that, nah. Um, especially a short flight, like you said. Sorry, you've just got an extra seventy five hundred bucks to pay for an on the spot upgrade. Seventy five bucks, I said. Oh, okay, I didn't say seventy five hundred. All right, all right, my mistake. No, and the answer is no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Under living arrangements, have an apartment in the middle of a city, live outside a city, buy a house. Have a mortgage. An apartment in the middle of the city, I don't like city life. I mean, I I walk downtown and I think, I don't know how people live here in this concrete jungle. And it's very impersonal. There's no grass. It's just, it's not my jam. Yeah, I I, I like lawns and fences and stuff like that. I'm always curious about city life. It doesn't mean that I would ever do it. Um, it, it put in the position where my kids are gone, for example, and I'm living or I'm working in a downtown core 
I'm not saying I would never do it because I could consider it. I'm curious about it. Like going without a car, I could, you know, if there's a grocery store nearby or whatever, figuring all the things out, as long as there's proper amenities around me, I wouldn't say no to that. But I don't see myself doing that anytime soon. Live outside a city. I mean, I think most people live outside a city. <laughs> Unless yeah. you live downtown, you live outside yeah. a city. Uh, I, I, I'm wondering if they mean like really far In the outside outskirts? a city. Yeah. Like grab yourself an acre of land and shit like that? Like, could be. Eh. Eh, okay. Buy a house. Okay, great. If we yeah. could afford them, that'd be great. Yeah. And have a mortgage. Yes, I get that reminder you know, every month when they raise the interest rates. It's not that fun to have a mortgage. No, it's really not. <laughs> and under random life events, own a pet. Okay, yeah. sure. Have a really bad hangover at least once. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> sure. Win at least 10 bucks on a lottery ticket. That's the only amount of money I can win. Try to be a vegetarian. Interesting. Try. I've tried. I actually quite liked it. It's just, it requires a lot of planning. It requires a lot of effort to make that work. And I don't know that I necessarily have the discipline to do it. I mean, it's all well and good when I'm at home and I've got nowhere to go and I can prep my meals and all that sort of stuff. It's a totally other thing when you're out and about. Like yesterday, I was mobile for like 13 hours. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of vegetarian options that interest me in the yeah. fast food world anyway. Well, that's what or Kevin, the takeout world. The Kevin Hart in the States is launching his uh, his burger chain. It's all vegetarian, the entire place. And I believe tons of vegan options as well. But we need more stuff like that for the vegetarians and vegan. I'm here for it because you need those quick meals on the go. You don't want to have to have like lettuce and dressing every time because that's all anyone will offer you if you're a vegetarian on the go. I mean, fast food wise. Attend a black tie event, a truly formal event. I love black tie events. I think they're great. Yeah, I, I, I've been to many, and I, yeah, I would strongly recommend that too. Go skinny dipping. Yeah. We talking pool or are we talking like lake? Or hot tub. Or hot tub. Does that count? It must. Uh, hot tub is it maybe pool. You're still dipping. You're still doing it. Dip. You're, you're still d- dipping in. Yeah, yeah. Just going for a little nude soak. <laughs> Dippity-doo. I, uh... I don't think so, though, because it's too small. Part of the allure of skinny dipping is... The swimming? Getting caught. Oh. Someone seeing you. You could get caught in a hot tub. Okay. The odds of getting caught... I don't know many people that put their hot tub, like, in the middle of the backyard. Right. Where the windows of the nosy neighbors can see. But skinny dipping is on the list. Finally, again, these are the 40 things you should do before you're 40. Number 40 is fight somebody. See, again, are they encouraging us to, like, start a fight? Like, I've never actually been in a physical fight before. Really? I've had words exchanged, perhaps. Never escalated to physical violence. So am I, I'm encouraged to do that? Like, it's confusing. No, I mean, if you want to live that full life and have that full experience and say, I've done it all, you should probably fight somebody. Should I just go swing at someone? Yeah. Like, after the podcast? Or I just go, like, find someone and just... Well, no, you got to instigate it. You can't just walk up okay, and sucker yeah, yeah, punch yeah, yeah, yeah. him or something. Okay, you got to okay. start it up. Like, okay. Find a reason, something you don't like about them or something they did and make a big deal of it and, and try and get into it. I don't think I could hit someone without someone hitting me first. That's my problem. I actually so, tend to agree with you. So, so you think, so I need to instigate it so that they're so upset that they physically give me a shove. Yep. Or even a flick or something like that. Yeah. I don't know who's going to... I don't know what I could possibly say to anybody to, to make them do that to me. 
because I don't want to do a stranger off the street here. I don't want to do one of those scenarios where I walk outside the building and I'm just like, hey, you at the bus stop, fuck you. And just see what happens. It's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not risking that. I don't know if they have a knife or a gun. So you'd rather fight somebody you I know? I know, yeah. Because really? I feel like they could forgive me later. Like, okay, so let's use Dave. Let's use Dave down the hall. Dave comes in. What could I possibly... You want to fight a guy? He's... Yeah. Okay, but sure. I'm hit... here for this. I know he won't hit me back. I know, if I... I know if I punched you right now, you wouldn't hit me back either. Never. You would probably hit the wall maybe, or you'd... I know you would never hit me back. I'd probably I... fall on the floor <laughs> laughing. What the fuck so, was that? Do you see what I mean? I don't know. I don't know how to do this then. If I want to put this on my list before I'm 40, what do I do? Have you ever been hit? I have never been hit. Like you've never been like slapped or punched or anything? N- like jokingly maybe? Never for real. Really? Yeah. Why? Wow. Really? Have you? Been hit? Yeah. Yeah. And you and you hit back? Uh, No. No. Oh, uh, listen, I, I worked in nightclubs for years and years and years and years and and fights break out in clubs all the time. And, and there's been times when I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and a big melee broke out. Yeah, yeah I've been punched. Now, I didn't punch back because one of the good things about working in those bars is there's often a security detail yeah. who will take proper care of the person who intentional or not hit the DJ. Yeah, I that person gets a nice tour of the kitchen, and then they get to see the outside of the back. I could have punched. I should have punched people. The bar scene is a good example of that. Uh-huh. Touching me when I didn't ask you to touch me, I'm going to punch you. I should, but I never did. Instead, I got security to get them out of there. Right, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But you know, now I do kind of regret you, not slapping someone or punching someone over you, it. Did you tell security? Give oh, a, I do. Give, give them a couple extras on the way out. Oh, the door? I do. I tell. Well, I used to tell them like that person's grabbing, and it's usually not just me. They they would have grabbed someone else or whatever, and it was inappropriate. And, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Slip them a hundo. Yeah, I'll take good care of them. <laughs> oh, they would. Actually, you know, for you, they probably would anyway. You know the club I'm talking about. They were fantastic. They oh, would they always. They had your back. One hundred percent. It was nice. I loved it. Yeah. All right, guys, we are long here. We're going to run. Thank you for having it on this episode of... I almost looked my radio cross into the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. And- we'll be back tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, no, wait, not for the podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow with another episode of After 9. Bye, guys. Apple just released a new software update that lets you edit and unsend messages. Yeah, and this is nice. After your third time editing a message, you get a notification that says you're drunk, go to bed. <laughs> This was the lowest rated Emmy show ever. Only 5.92 million people watched the show on NBC. But that's not really the whole story. It's not fair. It was also on Peacock. So when you add in the people who streamed it there, it's still 5.92 million people. Elon Musk's college girlfriend is auctioning off personal items from their relationship, including photographs, a birthday card, and upwards of three kids. Peloton's been having a tough year, and they just announced that their co-founders are leaving the company. Mm. It was time for a change. Peloton's been stationary for too long. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. (laughs) And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.